The broadcast you're about to hear was made possible because somewhere a radio friend made the choice to give. You too can become a radio friend to someone in need of an encouraging word right now. Just visit walkwiththeking.org and click the donate button. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? You doing all right today? Well, yes, I wait for you to answer. I know some of you do. <laughs> well, where I am here in beautiful Tannersville, Pennsylvania, it's still dark early, early in the morning. And uh, I just, you know, as I've told you once or twice, I, I do these broadcasts early in the day for the most part, or else very late at night. Uh, because I sort of get the same feeling you have when you have to roll out of bed with a groan and say, oh, do I have to get up today? And then sometimes you turn on the radio and you hear Bob Cook sharing with you from the Word of God, and maybe, just maybe, it can give you something to get hold of that will help you throughout the day. I pray that that may be so. I always pray that God's truth and God's love and and God's care and God's inspiration for you can come through these messages. Oh, may that be so again today. We're looking at uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore? Now, Dr. Pattengill, uh, some of you old, old-timers may remember him, a Bible teacher that uh, for many years blessed the hearts of God's people up and down this country and across the seas. He would always stop at a juncture like this and say, now, when you see a wherefore or a therefore, you have to look back and see what the therefore is there for. <laughs> well, now, why is it here? He said, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold and uh, your vain lifestyle and your traditions, these things can't save you, but with the precious blood of Christ. And he said, you've been born again, not of corruptible seed. You didn't inherit it from, from your parents, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. The word of the Lord endureth forever. Wherefore? Now, in other words, he was saying, because God's word is a living, eternal thing, you better react to it with some good sense, and that means do something about it. One is constantly surprised by the number of people who, if they ever do read the Bible, read it ever so casually and have no reaction in terms of, of their own conduct as a result. What Peter is pleading for here, it seems to me, is so important that when we read God's Word, we act on it. That's, that's the, the, the thrust of that word, wherefore. Jesus saved you. God loved you. Jesus saved you. His blood has cleansed you. And it's all based on the eternal Word of God. So do something about it in my own life. See, that's what he's getting at. Well, what am I supposed to do? It starts with something negative and then goes on to a positive. Wherefore, said he, laying aside all malice. 
Malice is the desire to see something evil happen to another person. Strange, isn't it, that he would begin with that? But he does. Because down deep in the human heart, there is a reservoir of resentment which crops out now and again. Don't tell me it's not there in your in uh, in your own heart. It's there. You can call it by a different name if you wish. You can say, oh, I've been deeply hurt. Oh, I, I feel bad. All right, whatever you want to call it, it's there. And the problem is that you and I can't control that sort of thing. See, I, you live a while, you understand this. No preacher can by his and I include myself at this point, you see, what I say to you isn't going to change the way you feel about another human being. I know that. Because I've experienced it in my own life. You can lecture a person all you please, and he's still going to be hurting. He's still going to have resentment. He's still going to feel bad. He's still going to have malice in his heart. Because it's there. You can't talk it out. Now, what do you do about it? By faith, you lay it aside, just as you took Jesus by faith. Colossians 2, 6 is the verse. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord, how would you receive him? By faith. Do you do anything? No. Pay anything? No. Promise anything? No. Join anything? No. How did you receive Christ by faith so that you got saved? Simply trusting him and turning the whole business over to him, guilt and all. Do you remember that? Many of you do, I know. That's how you got saved. Now he said, as you received, I'm quoting Colossians 2, 6 still, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus as Lord. So, the same way, Walk ye, that word walk means live every minute of every day. Let's put it that way. Just as you received Jesus, so live every minute of every day in him. Now, malice, resentment, comes in waves. You think you have it licked and then it pops up again. Isn't that true? Sorrow comes in waves as well. Temptation comes in waves. You think you have complete control over your own unseemly tendencies, and all of a sudden, there it is again. So you have to live every minute of every day trusting the same Savior who saved you in the same way, trusting him, I mean. Complete surrender to Jesus in that specific matter. We had for a while, a couple of decades ago, a popular phrase that talked about situational morality. That is to say, do what seems to be right at the time. Well, I have stolen that, that phrase, and I talk about situational faith. The way to victory is to take refuge in your Savior by faith at any given moment 
when there is a situation to be handled. Now, there are some people that just rub you the wrong way. Isn't that true? And that may be based, as I said a moment ago, on some deep hurt or something that has happened, uh, whatever. Now, when that person comes in view and you feel the strings of your heart tightening up, you feel the tension, you feel the hurt and the resentment, even the hatred that may well up out of your own being, unbidden, here it is, that's how I feel. What do you do then? Right that minute, that instant, turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, you handle this. He will. It's that simple, but oh, it's that important. You lay aside the malice. Would you try that today? Oh, I know it's hard. You say, oh, it's so hard, Brother Cook. Yes, I know. Nothing that's worthwhile is easy. But you, you try that today. No, you can't control how you feel. Automatically, those feelings well up. But you can. See, here's the element of control that is yours and mine to exercise. You can turn those unbidden feelings of malice, evil, resentment, hurt, whatever you want to call them. It's there. You can turn them over to Jesus by faith, just as you trusted him to save you. In the first place, you now can trust him to keep you and to handle these personality factors that you can't manage by yourself. You know, it's a pity to carry resentment for years. I know some people who... Uh, you, well, uh, you can't talk to them for five minutes, but that they hark back to something that happened 15 or 20 years ago. They're, they've carried resentment about the matter all those years, and they've fed on it, and, and it's grown until it's really part of, of their very personality. Now, it's a pity, because it's so needless. You can't manage it by yourself. Let's agree that. And any preacher like me can't talk you out of it. Let's agree on that, too. But Jesus, this wonderful, living Lord Jesus Christ, can handle it. Hallelujah. <laughs> he can do it. Turn it over to him by faith, just as you trusted him to save you. So trust him now to manage you. Will you do it? You have to lay something aside and then do something positive. Well... Also in that negative list, he says, laying aside all guile. Interesting, by the way, that the Peter says, all malice and all guile and all evil speakings. Why? Because we tend to fragmentize our consecration. We tend to fragmentize our consecration. We say, well, I'll put this on the altar, but I won't put that on. Like King Saul of old who, when he was commanded to, to carry out God's swift judgment upon the Amalekites, did not really obey, but brought back so much booty and loot and brought back the king of, of the Amalekites so that he could gloat over him publicly. We'll put this on and that on, but not the other. Abraham had to learn to put Isaac 
on the altar before God could reveal to him his wonderful plans for the future. Take now thy son Isaac, thine only son, whom thou lovest, and offer him for a sacrifice on one of the mountains that I will show thee, God's word said. And so they went, Abraham and his son Isaac and the servants and the beasts of burden, came to that certain mountain, and the servants were left at the base, and Abraham and his son went on up. The altar was built, the lad was stretched out upon it, the knife was raised, and then God said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. I know that you fear me. I know that you love me. There's your ram caught in the thicket. God will provide himself a lamb, said Abraham, in his sublime faith. Lay your Isaac on the altar. Bind him there with many a cord. O my brother, do not falter. Can't you fully trust your Lord? All is the word. All malice. Don't leave anything undone when it comes to consecration to Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to put everything on the altar of consecration today. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.